Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast. My name is Andy Spiteri, as always, joined by Dakota Lasky. Dak, uh, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Had to turn my AC off, so I'm sure I'll be hot pretty soon. Um, finally got to work out with actual weights for the first time since March yesterday, which was awesome. I'm super sore from that, but feeling pretty good. I've uh, been streaming a lot of Halo, uh, Halo 3 on my Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash the rapture underscore. Um, and yeah, just uh, chilling. The perpetual wait for another Metroid game continues, and I am on that ride whenever it ends. I cannot wait. But yeah, doing pretty good. How you doing? Uh, I can't complain. Um, as you know, me and my fiance went away, mm-hmm. or kind of went away this weekend, so we had a nice little uh, couple days, but back and ready to talk about, well, actually not Metroid today, but uh, one thing that you said really quick, I saw a rumored date today for the 17th of August, so we'll see if that pans mm. out. Um, next week's show could maybe be a whole lot different, depending on if that uh, day is true or not. For so a direct, right? You will see. For a direct, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll see. We will see. Um, but yeah, uh, things are going pretty good. I loved that that tweet that you retweeted. That was like something along the lines of like Willem Dafoe wanted to play Ridley. Uh, I guess that's old news, but I saw it and I thought that it was like hilarious. Yeah. Mostly just because I don't imagine Ridley talking in a movie, so I kind of loved that he would sound like the Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, that was along the lines of like the Brie Larson wanted to play Samus thing. Um, I Willem Dafoe is a legend, great actor, one of the best to ever do it. So I'm sure if anyone could do Ridley justice, it'd be him. I have no idea how he would do it, how he, how it would be, even be pulled off, um, how he would approach the role or whatever. But the image of him playing Ridley or even wanting to play Ridley at all, the guy's got great taste. So yeah, let him, let him run with it. Let me let me throw a name out there for you for who I think should play Ridley and give me a one word, either answer or noise about this. Dave Batista. Uh, um, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think, I think that says it all right there, the silence. Um, I like Batista. Okay. Well, I don't know. before, before we get into today's inspired by Metroid episode, we, we should talk, uh, about something that's quite depressing. <laughs> if you're a Metroid fan, um, Animal Crossing New Horizons came out on the 20th of April. It's been out for three months. Three months. And it is one of the best-selling games of all time. 22 million copies sold. For context, uh, this... So the PlayStation 2 is the is the best-selling system of all time. And the top-selling games for the PlayStation 2 didn't come close to what Animal Crossing New Horizons has sold. San Andreas, I think, sold 16 or 17 million copies. New Horizon, 22 and it's been out for three months. For other context, in that three months, it has sold more than the entire Metroid series, as our pals over at Nintendo Life were so nice as to point out. Man, that's kind of funny, but it's also kind of depressing, is it not? I don't think so. <laughs> um, I mean, casual sim games have been popular like forever. I think The Sims franchise has sold like 200 million copies or i don't know some crazy number like that like uh, more people are going to enjoy a game like animal crossing than a game like metroid i mean that's just how it is 
Um, I don't really, I guess I feel like your identity or personality is super tied to Metroid and that's, that's something you really care about, like sales. I, I guess that's depressing. I think it's kind of uh, a given that, you know, and, and that's even besides the fact that Nintendo doesn't even market Metroid at all. But even if it did, I really don't even think it would make that much of a difference in terms of trying to compete with that kind of game. You know, a game like Animal Crossing appeals to way more kinds of player gamers and non-gamers, people who can just, you know, jump in or, uh, you know, an adult or a younger kid or an older person who can play a little bit or someone who casually gave it, it appeals to so many more people. Um, and, and again, we, I mean, how often do we know that like just because something doesn't sell as much as something else doesn't necessarily mean it's not good. Um, and I've, and I've never played a Metroid game caring about whether or not other people buy the Metroid game. Like if I'm the only one playing the game and I'm enjoying it, I don't, I don't care. Um, so yeah, I guess it is like, it kind of sucks, I guess, but I personally don't really think it's a huge deal. I know some people were more bothered by it being pointed out in the first place. So we go, that just sucks for us Metroid fans. Why even rub it in? But I, I, it came from, like, some guy on Twitter tweeting about it, and then a bunch of, like, news sites picked it up and, and were like, oh, that's a good factoid. We could run that article. Um, I really – I thought it was just kind of an observation someone made. It was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, eh, okay. But I'm sure – I mean, there are tons of franchises that Animal Crossing is outsold, too. I don't think any of those are any worse for wear. So, I don't know. I don't think it's really that depressing. I think it's a pretty interesting factoid and uh, maybe just, you know – Animal Cross. I mean, Nintendo made a good move putting out Animal Crossing, and, and so good on them. Maybe some more people I mean, will buy. I mean, I think the Prime state 4. of the world, like, like the state of the world, definitely kind of helped. I think boost the sales of Animal Crossing, but it would you have sold. So? I don't. I know, think. I don't think it made I, a huge I think difference. So. I think people would have still bought it. I, I really, I really do. I, people would have still bought it, but I think that to the extent that they bought it, I think that maybe the game would have been in like the. 12 15 million sale range rather than like where it is now just because of the state of the world you know it's i actually agree with you like it's it's kind of funny but like kind of depressing but only depressing because like you know obviously we just think that the metroid games are so good and we're so passionate about them so we want more people right i'm I'm talking for both of us i'm sorry if i'm just talking for you but like we we just want more people to experience metroid so it's just like oh man um but it it also is i think kind of funny too i I wasn't really just like bitter like i saw some tweets uh on twitter where just like f these guys for publishing that uh you know it's also sold more than star fox or f-zero or punch out maybe not punch out but you know what i mean so it's not like they were you know they were kind of picking on metroid but i think metroid is a big boy and can take care of itself yeah um but yeah it it was just kind of funny Uh, i'm gonna give a quick plug here actually uh my other podcast virtual theater where we do uh video game movie reviews we actually just covered the animal crossing movie so if you're looking for some animal crossing kind of insight check that out over on soundcloud i you know i've never been able to get into animal crossing it's just like it's not my thing um i don't mind pouring 200 hours into a game but like there has to be a payoff or like an end goal or something you know uh yeah i that's the certainly I guess really the gameplay loop for me is why I kind of get, you know, Animal Crossing becomes kind of old for me. Um, if, like, the what you get to play with is fun enough and, and satisfying enough, then I don't necessarily need, like, an end goal to reach. But Animal Crossing both doesn't have the end goal, and, and the gameplay kind of gets a little boring after a while for me. But I know uh, a lot of people really enjoy it. I've bought most Animal Crossing games, and I still, you know, jump in and play them a little bit. They're fun to unwind with, but, uh, they're all, they're one of those games where when other games start coming out afterward, I end up jumping into those games, and, and Animal Crossing kind of falls by the wayside. 
Um, and to be honest, yeah. I also all bought it because I happen to have some like money on my Nintendo account already. So I was like, yeah, whatever. It's only really 30 bucks for me now. So I might as well just buy it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get the appeal though. And I like Animal Crossing and I understand why it's sold so much. But, you know, Metroid's niche, nothing wrong with that. And I hope that Metroid Prime 4 brings in a lot more people. Uh, yep, you nailed it. Uh, actually, you nailed it so succinctly. Let's just move on because, Dak, we have uh, we have a lot to cover today. I do. We are, uh, we're back with our second ever Inspired by Metroid sub-series on the Omega Metroid podcast. So this is a series aimed to basically, you know, tell tell our listeners about these other games that, you know, if you enjoy Metroid, you'll probably enjoy these games and, and for us to give our thoughts and feedback playing them. And today we are going to be talking about Blasphemous, which uh, which is a recent a recent-er uh, inspired by Metroid title, uh, Wicked Metroidvania game. Uh, it's developed by The Game Kitchen and is available pretty much everywhere. It's available on all consoles and, and Steam. So, you know, if you're interested and you see it on sale, pick it up. Um, but yeah, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get into the nitty gritty and talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. And, uh, Dak, I think that you and I already, I can tell from our conversation before recording, have some, uh, some different opinions here. So I guess without, without just getting into the, you know, into the details, which we will over the course of the show, um, tell, Tell us about your experience just playing Blasphemous, uh, what platform you played it on, and just uh, really generally whether you know whether you liked it or not. Sure. So uh, I played Blasphemous on Steam on my PC. I played it with mouse and keyboard, um, and I I I really enjoyed this game. I'm getting close to saying loved it, but I don't I don't know if love is a strong word. I really liked it though. I would say that I enjoyed it more than Axiom Verge. Um, now okay. whether or not you might like it because and you, you know, whoever's listening, um, because it's like Inspire and Metroid. I think people just like it because it's a good game. It reminded me more of Castlevania than Metroid. Um, yes. So it definitely had – it's definitely, I would say, more weighted towards a Castlevania experience in the It's more Vania than Metroid. Yeah, sure. definitely. It's the capital Vania yeah. lowercase Metroid, um, which is fine. <laughs> I think, honestly, it's just a really solid game, and that's why people would enjoy it regardless of whether or not it has like the metroidvania or whatever influence it's like a really solid game it was a lot of fun um i was pleasantly surprised with it uh and and yeah i had a great time playing it and um i can't wait to talk about it more so far i would recommend it though i would say you know i would look try to see if it'll jump in on, on on sale somewhere um i do recommend playing the steam version i haven't played the console version so i can't talk about those but the steam version was great and runs great and yeah, so overall, I enjoyed it more than Axiom Verge, and I liked it a lot. Okay, wow. Um, I I will say, I did not like this more than Axiom Verge, but but I mean, I I kind of have a soft spot for Axiom Verge because as I was talking about on that episode, that was like that game came out of nowhere for me. I didn't know what it was at all, and when I was playing it, I was like, wow, this is like Super Metroid Two. This is awesome. So that that game kind of I have a softer side for, but. I think even even beyond that, I don't know that I liked Blasphemous more than that. Um, I do really like the setting of this game, and I do like mm. that it's more along the lines of like the Vania rather than Metroid. Because I also have an itch for like the Castlevania games, because I'm a big fan of the you know of the run of games that started with Symphony of the Night and ended with uh, Order of Ecclesia on the Game Boy Advance or the DS actually. So I I really miss those kind of games as well. So this one was scratching that itch that itch for me. Uh, I played on Nintendo Switch. Got it on sale, and uh, you know the game ran very well. It it did crash once though, which I jotted down, and I 
I always am a little bit iffy when a game crashes for whatever reason. So um, it was, you know, it, it was noticeable that one spot, but other than that, it ran perfectly. Um, so let's talk about the the game itself and get into some of the uh, some of the general nuances of the game. I thought that this game it almost reminded me of Breath of the Wild in a sense in terms of difficulty scaling when I started because when I started I was just like man this game is like really hard and I was dying over and over and over again and uh, you know as you kind of reach the middle you and get some abilities you kind of you kind of like level up to the challenges and stuff like that and you're not dying as much and then by the end of the game I mean I wasn't dying at all so it seemed to me like it, the difficulty almost stayed the same where it's just weighted really difficult at the start uh you know you kind of peak in the middle and you you level with everything and at the end it's just like not really that challenging with the exception of a few boss battles here and there um i do like that you know when you die you get to keep all of your items and your money which is at least nice because then like games like like shovel knight for example you have to go and and like find your loot which is kind of annoying um but yeah i, I that was the first thing that i noticed because i was having a little bit of troubles when I was first starting, and maybe it's just because I suck, but I was just like, okay, well, I, I feel like I'm dying all, all the time here. And maybe that's just because I was in the areas that I shouldn't have been at the time, but I don't know. What did, what did you think of the difficulty deck? Um, I I will mostly agree. I think at the beginning of the game felt easy to me because I was just immediately jumping over everything and dodging through stuff, and I was like, oh, I can just avoid like 75% <laughs> of the enemies in this area. Um, and I kind of liked that because then eventually I got to a point where I couldn't do that anymore. And I had to respect patterns of the enemies or there were enough enemies in the area where I couldn't just dash through. I had to start parrying a little more and, like, uh, respecting their attacks. Um, but that was just my play style. Like, I was just like, I'm going to mash and just go in and go super fast, continue to move on all the time. And eventually you kind of hit a wall where you, you do have to slow down and take things a little more uh, tactically and start using a few of those brain cells. But then again, yeah, towards the end of the game, you, you get enough, like... Uh, you know, rosary beads and, and um, the prayers and whatnot that just, you know, a lot of those are like get out of, you know, jail free cards in a lot of situations or they just make you strong enough where you're able to, to outplay a lot of enemies. But yeah, I, I think it does depend on how you approach the game. You know, if you're someone like me who's just like mashing and really trying to like stay moving at all times and trying to like and like and making it like a bullet hell kind of game, which I enjoyed a lot. Um, you know, the, the difficulty can vary depending on where you are and what you have available to you and what enemies, you know, are, are like kind of stacked on you at the time. Um, until again, like I said, you know, you get towards the end of the game. I think the bosses for the most part stayed pretty consistently difficult, but yeah, I think it's really depends on how you approach the game. If you want to be a little slower and tactical, if you want to just go headlong into things and, and start diving in and taking on multiple enemies at once or trying to avoid them which I thought was fun. You know, once I once I start like the second I played the game and I dash, I was like, "Oh yeah. Let's go." Like there's a dash. I'm using this all the time. Uh actually for a while I wasn't even parrying anything cuz I found it just easier to just attack and jump around and dash away than to try to time a parry. Um so again, yeah, I think the difficulty certainly varies a little bit depending on how you approach the game um and and where you are. Yeah, I I was actually thinking a lot of times, because I always thought that the Pennant one moved really slow. I was thinking, like, man, that power-up from uh, Castlevania, Aria of Sorrow, where, like, you just dash across and, like, you have that shock thing that was going around you. I was mm -hmm. like, that would be awesome in this game. Um, you know what? I actually, I meant to bring this up earlier, and uh, I'll, I'll just bring it up now so just people kind of understand where I'm coming from. 
I played this game about a month and a half ago, maybe. I knew that we were going to be covering it for this show, so I bought it when it was on sale uh, for Nintendo Switch, and I was playing it, and I had a lot of... Not a lot, but there were some key issues that I had with the game. Mm-hmm. About two, maybe three weeks ago, um, Game Kitchen patched this game and added like a ton of stuff. They added new story content. They added kind of like a new game plus mode almost. They redubbed some of the voice acting, and they they redid the map. Now, the map, I, I actually, I fired up Blasphemous a couple days ago, just again to kind of give myself a refresher for this for the show, the map looks 100% better than what it did when I played it. That was probably my biggest complaint about Blasphemous before. Is like, I really loved playing the game. Like, when you play the game and you're and you're fighting and the combat and everything, the game is really fun. And the game is really good. But I was like, I feel like this game should be great. And there's all of these, like, kind of side peripheral things that are keeping it from being great to me. And the map was the biggest one. So when I'm when I'm telling you that the map kind of held it back for me, I'm referring to the old version of the map, which luckily no one else, if, you're, if you've never played Blasphemous before and you're listening to us talk about this, you'll never have to see because they patched it out. So um, I will say that the map I thought was like a killer for me in the original, you know, version of this game that I played. Uh, I, I feel like if you are a Metroidvania game, like you got to have a good map. You've got to have a map that's easy to see. The, the legend is easy to make out what things are. Um, it's easy to see what rooms you, you haven't explored fully or like where there's a door that you haven't went into the other side of the room yet. You know, like your map can't be confusing because then your game is confusing and it causes you to get lost very easy. And the original version of this map was very dark. Um, you had your cursor and you would highlight rooms, but the rooms that you were highlighting, those those looked fine, but then the rest of the map was like, super super dark and maneuvering around was kind of hard too it almost was metroid prime where you have to hold down a button and then slowly scroll over um so that was like my biggest bone of contention and also like i was just like i mean there's a million collectibles in this game right and the map doesn't really show or point you towards where any kind of collectibles are not even post game so like you know in metroid games after you're done it'll say like you've acquired 14 to 15 missiles in this area this map does not do that at all so, like, for completionists like me, I'm just like, okay, I have one more of these stupid flying things left. Like, where do I where do I begin? Because this map is huge, and I got to go and, and track them down. So, the map to me was, was a big, like, it was a big drawback that didn't work for me. Now, they, like I said, they patched it, and it looks a lot better. But, you know, I don't think that they put in any of my other issues where, like, you can see where missing power-ups are, or collectibles, etc., etc., I would say that this was a big key factor that held it back from being great to me. Deck, I know that you were saying that like you didn't really have a whole lot of problems with the map. Um, I, I mean, I guess first and foremost, like when when did you play this game? Was it recently or was it a while ago? Well, now that now that I'm uh, you've mentioned it, I played the demo when we first were planning on doing this, and that demo still has the old map. And then right. I replayed it, the full version, this past weekend, which I assumed, because I didn't know there was a patch or anything, um, and I forgot about the map being different, so I just I assumed I played the new patched version on Steam, so uh, when I bought the full version. Um, 
Yeah, I, I didn't really have too much of an issue with the map. I think, like I said before the show, my biggest issue, and this is an issue I have with a lot of Metroidvanias, there's no mini-map. I hate having to stop what I'm doing and open the map and scroll around or look around. I sh like There are some times where I just want to know like what the next room over is, right? And if I've gone in it or not. Not necessarily that I'm looking for something super long down the line or like trying to keep track where I am overall at a macro level. Sometimes I just want to know like what corner I'm turning sometimes. And I should be able to know that without having to open up the map. So uh, just having a little mini map would be so nice and it's not there. So uh, that that's really my only drawback. And even then that wasn't like a huge game killer for me because I, you know, a lot of time I was kind of just like blazing through some parts of the levels or what area I was in. So like, ah, I eventually got to where I was going without looking at the map too much. And I also am not too much of a completionist, so I wasn't like hunting down stuff. I didn't hunt down all the uh, children or babies or whatever. Yeah, um, children. That's what it was. I don't know what. The, yeah, something of children, something like that. Uh, so I wasn't like dying to have like a super like uh, like complex and responsive and interactive map i kind of just wanted a mini map which isn't in the game but again not a big it wasn't something that you know was a huge drawback for me yeah that's fair um so i am a completionist i actually spent uh, i jotted it down i spent about 21 hours playing this game and i got 97 percent and that 97 percent kills me because i want to get 100 percent. but like i'm just like i am not combing through every inch of this map to get you know, the last 3% of the power-ups in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just not going to do it. So, that yeah, that was a little bit disappointing for me. Um, I think that it would be a completely different story if if and when I go and replay this game, because I think I will, because it was a really fun game, uh, somewhere down the line. I, I think that the new map that I was checking out a couple days ago just looked like a million times better. So, uh, again, if you like if you've never played Blasphemous and you're listening to this, um, the map, all the all the problems that I just, or most of the problems that I just brought up are, have mostly been fixed. And I think that the map was probably a fairly common complaint or else, you know, we wouldn't have seen the, the overhaul of it. So I'm glad that the, I'm glad that the developers listened to that and took steps to make it a little bit better. Um, let's kind of, let's kind of shift gears here. We're going to jump all over the place, but let's talk about the story such as it is of, of Blasphemous. I, you know, I... I don't even know what it is. To be I don't even know what it is. And I <laughs> and I looked for, like, a like a story synopsis. Because I was just like, okay, well, like, I want to... Like, I want to understand what happened. And I feel like I still don't understand what happened. And to me, when I'm playing this, I'm... All I can think is, like, this takes itself so seriously yeah. like all like almost to the point of parody yeah you know what i mean it's, like yeah. it, it was so serious it was like it um, was... and i know that oh, i'm sorry keep going i, I was just gonna say like i know that we kind of poo-pooed on axiom verge and it's convoluted story and rightfully so but like i'll, I'll kind of take that goofy weird story over this one because when we were or when i was playing this i like there were many times where i was just like rolling my eyes like characters are, are speaking in like old english and i'm just oh. like oh my god like let's just let's just get it let's get on to the boss fight here or like i have no idea who anybody is i have no idea what happened it, there was like a curse or something and i was like <laughs> i played 21 hours of this game and i have no idea what it's about yeah it was like reading like a game of thrones novel but it like without any character or charm or wit or dialogue really that was memorable it's just like as if a whole book was just a dense, 
description of everything. And that's like this game. Um, it, it's very Dark Souls influenced too. Like this game feels like Castlevania Dark Souls more than really a Metroid game, I would say. Um, it wants to be Dark Souls so badly. Uh, and, and personally, I one thing that I didn't really enjoy about this game, but it, again, it wasn't like a game killer. I'm just not a big fan of the whole bloody medieval thing, right? So like the whatever this game is doing and the Dark Souls, like it's not my aesthetic. I don't really care about like medieval stuff. It's cool and like having the dark, bloody, everything's gory. I, I don't know what it is with with indie Metroidvania games, but they all have to be so gory and grotesque. And I don't understand. Like Axiom Verge was gory and grotesque a little bit. This game is just like Jesus Christ. Like people's like guts and stuff are being pulled out. But yeah, the <laughs> the the everyone talks with this like super serious and and they might as well be speaking in tongues at some point because I don't know a bunch of the terms. And everything is so laced with, like, purple prose. It's so dense. And to a fault, because I didn't... Anything involving lore, I didn't read. Because it's, like, just a chunk of description and old English that I'm like, this is not doing anything for me. Anytime I got an item that had lore, I, I don't think I opened it once. I think I only read maybe what was right available on the menu that I was forced to see, and I glanced at it. I couldn't even remember anything. When people talk to each other, it's just like paragraphs at times or just long lines of these really serious and and medieval like talking at me because there's no interaction from my guy so they're just talking at me i'm talking at me i'm like all right, all right, all right let's go um the game wants to be dark souls so badly that was probably the thing i liked least about this game and again with metroidvania indie games is that they don't like tell a story well and for me yeah like okay i'm playing a game and i want to enjoy the gameplay but like you said earlier we're talking about animal crossing that's have some meaning or point to it or whatever and that's very important at least to me because i it's as much of as it is a gameplay experience i like the narrative too that's why metroid fusion is my favorite 2d metroid i love the narrative as well as the gameplay this game it, like the narrative made me like ignore it almost it was like a turnoff and i was not paying attention to the narrative anymore anytime i interacted with some npc i, I was i it was just the words are going in one eye and out the other or whatever um it was just it wasn't it wasn't great and it was trying to be dark souls so badly it's not really my aesthetic if you like this dark soulsy kind of thing where everything's all medievally like bloody and 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 kind of like have like a lot of christian undertones or whatever then you'll probably like this if Dark Souls doesn't already do that for you. Know you. I don't know if it really will. It didn't for me. I, I don't agree with you, actually, because I, I kind of do like like the medieval kind of setting. Like, uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I, yeah, I like it. Like, I like the Castlevania games and stuff like that. The very gothic feel. Yeah, this gothic, has a very gothic feel. For. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. That's, I think, why I didn't get into Castlevania too much, because it's, like, not my aesthetic whatsoever. But that's a personal thing. Well, see, I love that aesthetic, yeah. but, like, I still didn't like this, because it was, like... You just roll your eyes every time that anybody says anything. Because, like, nobody... There are some people that have names, but, like, you don't really know any of them. You you play as a very bland character um, who I kept... I kept on wanting, wanting to call him the pertinent one instead of the penitent one. And I don't know why. I think it was just because I, like... The font that they use is very oh, very old-timey as well. so bad. Half the time I can't... Like, some points I, I couldn't read... Or had to like, yeah, or like focus on what I'm looking at, and then I was like, all right, this is too much brain power. Like I can't even like it's Look, not even like legible. I kept on, I kept on calling him the pertinent one because it looked like that's what they were saying, and I was like, well, this guy's I guess always on time or something. I don't know, <laughs> but you like you kind of nailed it. Like the 
the I think the aesthetic is cool, but it's just like it's so ridiculous that it's so serious. It there's way I'm all about having religious undertones in the game, but like this game is built on that, and it's not an undertone. It's just very in your face. Um, you brought up something which actually I guess I'll transition to because they're kind of one and the same. There is like a thousand million different collectibles in this games. Uh, like there is so much to collect. There is relics. There is uh, runes. There is prayers. There's rosary beads. There like there is just like every gimmick ever to collect in this game. All of them comes with like this big lore dump that I don't know if you're supposed to read, but like it just it looks like nonsense to me. It looks like it looks like somebody was typing. And then they just let autofill and they, they pressed it like 30 times to fill in the rest. And this is another thing where I'm just like, you know what? It, keep it simple, stupid. Like I would have been totally okay with a game, with this game starting off being like, you are the penitent one. Uh, there's a curse on the land. And in order to defeat that curse, you need to beat these seven bosses or like, or whatever. And like, that's your story. That's it. Maybe a little bit of background about the curse, but like, that's it. This game goes, like, so over and above and tries to just, like, tell you things that, like, nobody cares about in this world. That, like, I was just like, oh, my God. And then when when kind of transitioning to all the collectibles here, there are so many different collectibles that, you know, hidden in that description. It's like, okay, well, like, what does this actually do? Like, what does this do to the penitent one? Like, does this make my jumping higher? Does this give me another oh God, slash? Yeah. Like. Like, what does it do? Yeah. Because you have to scroll through all that nonsense to get to where it does. And then, like, constantly, I was just, like, I was, like, frustrated because I was, like, okay, like, I think that this is the the relic that lets me fall down a screen and go into the next screen. But I'm not sure. And, like, you, you die experimenting with that. So I was just, like, you know, keep it simple, stupid. It, this could, it was, it was too much. There was just too much random awful text and nobody like i get maybe somebody cared about it but i didn't care about it yeah i was just like tell me what it does and i'm totally fine with that and actually while i'm while i'm kind of on this tangent you mentioned voice acting i do want to bring up something and i want to see if you noticed it towards the end of the game you fight uh, uh a younger monk or something like that her name is christina yes Christana so she yeah. yeah you know what i Actually, I bet you that this is patched out in your version. So in my version, uh, her voice is like, imagine the voice of a high-pitched anime girl from like Xenoblade 2. And that was her voice. It, it's so jarring because it flew in the face of like the very serious old English aesthetic. And I was just like, what is this? And like, if you go and look up videos of Christina or Christana fights, like every comment is about her voice. Uh, Dak, I'm assuming that was probably patched I, I was out say, of your version, I, right? Actually, the Crisanta, I think that's her name, Crisanta, or whatever, I don't know. Um, that I liked that boss fight, and I don't remember her sounding like an anime girl, so it must have been patched out in mine. Because I thought the voice acting uh, yeah. was pretty solid in the game. It, you know, like, it was it was actually well done as far as I was concerned. It was just whatever they were saying I didn't care about. Um, I, I agree. I, you know, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I like, just kind of auto-filled it because certainly someone put in a lot of time to write, uh, write out all of this stuff. And it's not that it's not it's not that it's not well written or anything. It's just so much, and it's like detailing a world that I don't really necessarily need to know every inch of. And you know, yeah, like you'll get like a rosary bead where it's like a whole diary entry about some person 
living in the woods or some crazy per or like whatever. And then at the bottom it says uh, it buffs your attack speed. <laughs> I'm like, dude, just give me that in the description elsewhere or something. Um, yeah, I thought the voice acting was pretty good across the board, actually. So I don't, I, that must have been fixed for my version because I don't remember that. And that was actually one of the boss fights I liked a lot. So I think that would have. Yeah, w which we'll get to. Um, yeah, I, I feel like when I saw the patch notes and it was like certain voice lines were redubbed, I was immediately thinking like they must have redubbed that because you would have noticed it if it was there. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the thing about, and I guess like I, I agree with you about voice acting, but uh, just to kind of put a bow on the collectibles, because I think that that's a big part of this game. Um, you know, I, I kind of sound like I'm, I'm dumping on them for the map and not showing where they are and like the descriptions being wonky. And, like, I kind of am, but it, I also do like that there was a lot to collect because the completionist to me is like, okay, well, like, you know, I can be very busy, uh, you know, going around and getting all these things. However, I think that the reward for collecting all this stuff has to be really cool if you're going to do that. And when I finally collected, so there's, I don't even know what they are. They're little trinkets, and they're they're from, like, Bartholomew the Thief or, like, Andrew the Pirate or, like, something like that. Um, there's about 40 of them in the game. And I went out of my way. I used walkthroughs to get all 40 of them. I'm just like, all right, awesome. It's got to be like some wicked weapon upgrade or like a quadruple jump or something. And it, it gave me a new skin to use for the penitent one. I was so bummed. A new skin for 40 collectibles? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, <sighs> I, I like that there were a lot of collectibles. And you brought up upgrades. I want to talk about that um, eventually. But I like that there were a lot of collectibles. Uh, you know, there are some games that I will 100% complete. You know, like, I 100% completed Donkey Kong 64 for some reason at one point in my life. Um, so I'm not against that entirely. I like that they're collectibles. I think my biggest issue, and this is kind of related, but, like, when you would do quests or just trying to find collectibles, um, there's, yeah, there's no way to know where you're supposed to be going and, or if, like, you're looking for one of the last ones, it's hard to really know where you should be going yes. to really, you know, backtrack that. When you're doing quests... You sometimes I would I completely forget or have no idea where I'm supposed to go to complete it, or I would stumble upon something and they're like, "Oh, quest completed." I'm like, "Oh, I didn't even realize that I was doing this." Like, I wish just hundred percent. I was gonna bring just that up. along yeah. with a mini map. I wish there was like a, a little quest module on your screen, a little list or something that shows you like what your currently quests are active or you know next steps on a quest or something. Because I would just give up or I would forget and then stumble upon it or never complete it. And it kind of felt like it was just kind of tacked on as like extra things to do, but I couldn't really do them because it wasn't really like, I don't need my handheld, but I need like a, a guide maybe an arrow at some point. Well, you, you need know? some kind of direction. Oh, yeah, like there's bit. a quest that you, you have that walking lady and she just shows up in all these random places and you're like, okay, like, am I supposed to meet you here? Like, am I supposed to bring you something? And it's like, there's no, there's no quest in there. Are there kind of, is a quest index i guess but it might as well not be there and yeah I, I was very i was very confused and felt like very lost at uh at certain times in the game um you wanted to bring up upgrades and we'll definitely get there um i actually feel like the upgrades are pretty cool so i'm, I'm kind of front loading all the stuff that i didn't necessarily love with blasphemous and then we'll get into like the really good stuff at the end um so let's let's move on and let's talk about something that i wasn't in love with and that was the music of this game. Um, I think that we both, uh, we both really liked the music for Axiom Verge, if I recall. I wasn't, I wasn't in love with the music for Blasphemous. I didn't hate it. It wasn't bad. It was just like very, um, 
not distinctive enough for me. It, it was like, it was too background music esque, which which is a funny thing to say because I mean obviously it is background music, but like it didn't pop. You know what I mean? Like, um, it, the music that some of it did. There's some cool music hidden in the game, um, that has kind of a very Spanish flair to it. Um, the Desecrated Sister in, in particular actually reminded me of like the old Bray Wyatt theme, which I really loved. But yeah, I, like the the music for me didn't. Uh, it didn't pop. That's the best word I can think of to describe it, Dak. What about, like, is this is this fair? Do you think were you a fan of the soundtrack? I know. I agree. I think I I think it was fine. Yeah, but it wasn't like I can't really remember much of it. I think it sufficed for what it, but it didn't really stand out as as, as its own player in the game. You know, it didn't really have its own identity. Uh, it kind of just stuck. Yeah, it was very background background music, and it fit like the theme and like themes and aesthetics of the game. Which again, I'm not like. A crazy fan of so yeah like there weren't any like standout tracks or like moments where like the music would ramp up like in a way where i'd be like oh this is this is badass um or at least any that i really can remember or stick out to me which is fine like i don't need every like game to be like you know the music like almost getting in the way of like you know and almost taking me out of the experience but a lot of the time you know i'm, I'm not someone who gets like so immersed in a game where I forget I'm playing a video game, right? So it is nice to have, like, those tracks that come out of nowhere or, like, really ramp things up or whatever. Uh, at the same time, I think it's okay to have these kind of lower-key soundtracks. And it is it is well done. I think it's, you know, it's it's or orchestral in a way. Um, and, you know, changes in these different areas. It kind of reminded me of, like, Assassin's Creed a little bit um, in terms of the music. But, yeah, I thought it was fine. I think it was good. It wasn't bad. It was... It, it sufficed. It did, it did its job, but like what I say was that super standout. Um, in terms of like Axiom Verge, Axiom Verge had some, but they had some. It had some tracks where I was like, "Ooh, this is this is pretty fire." But at the same time, they're kind of different yeah. games, though. And you know, I don't know how like how crazy you can get with like orchestral kind of tracks to really make them super diverse in that way. Like Axiom Verge has that like sci-fi, like not only sci-fi but also like it's kind of tongue-in-cheek video gamey. So. It kind of leaned into that music-wise, which I think worked really well. In this game, it really does take itself really seriously, so it doesn't have those, like, tracks that really come out and, and are in your face or, like, remind you you're playing, like, a sick video game or whatever and kind of go along with your badass hack and slashing. Um, so, I again, not this is one of those things about the game where it, was, it didn't take me out of the game. It wasn't, like, a huge drawback, but could it have been, like, more memorable or, you know, ramped it up, hit it to 11? Yeah, probably could have, but I think it sufficed. I mean, yeah, it did suffice. It wasn't bad. It was it was very good. But you know, I I said this before, and I'll probably say it again before we're we're done recording. Like, I feel like this is a, a really good game that should have been great, but there's just like all these things holding it back for me from being great. And the music wasn't holding it back, but it could have propelled it forward a little bit. Um, the music thing actually for me bleeds into my next issue with Blasphemous, and this is the last thing that I want to talk about before we start talking about some of the awesome things about this game. But to me, the music didn't help with the fact that like a lot of these areas really blended together to me. There, I mean, there's like something stupid, like, uh, I don't know, like 15 or something like that areas of this map. And, you know, some of them do have their own distinct look and feel, um, I jotted down the, the Desecrated Cistern and John Doe and the Mountain of Endless Dusk and the Wall of the Holy Prohibitions, which, as you can tell, everything has a ridiculous name in this game. 
but like I think that those areas were were pretty cool and they had their own kind of standouts. Um, but again, I, they just kind of blended together, and I I think that the music didn't really help that. And I'll reference Castlevania, like when you go from the Garden of Madness to like the ballroom, like the music is banging on both sides of that, and it's like okay, well, like now I'm in a different area, and like now the enemies look different, and now the the setting looks different. Um, this, again, it wasn't a bad thing in this game. It was just kind of a, it was a thing I noticed, or I guess didn't notice might be more apt because it just kind of like blended together to me. There wasn't that, and maybe it's just because like in Castlevania, you have that little room before you go into another area. So you know that you're about to enter into a new area. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of, it blended together for me and it, it just took away from the world just a little bit to me. Well, I, I think it didn't help that, like, so many areas are, like, the inside of a church, the inside of a chapel, the basement of a church, the basement of it, you know? like Yeah. Yeah, that, that like, the area that stuck out to me the most was, I, I think you might have mentioned, the, the snowy mountain you gotta, you know, climb up. I don't remember, I don't remember any of the names of the levels or anything like that. Like, like you said, everything, even in, every individual person has, like, a name and a title. I'm just like, okay, we just, you know, why can't you just be John <laughs> yep. or a mountain, right? <laughs> Um, but like stuff like that, where you go outside, you know, you're in like the woods or whatever, you're on the mountain or you're in like some wasteland or like th those stuck out to me the most, but they were the exceptions to the rule. Yeah. There's so many churches and citadels and castles and interiors of those and exteriors of those where it does blend together. And also you have enemy types that will be in the, in different areas, you know, but like those similar areas. So like you'll fight one enemy in like the citadel but then you're in like a church basement and you'll run into the same enemy so it if you know it kind of does feel like it blend together but again i think that goes back to like the aesthetic and the th like thematically what it was supposed to look like like that kind of tied into it because it is trying to be very medieval when you think of medieval stuff you think of castles and churches and whatnot so i think that kind of maybe not limiting but it was certainly within the scope of what they were trying to pull off in terms of like what the game is supposed to look like and feel like but that meant that it was in those areas a lot and they mix it up where you're go maybe you're going up like this shaft or you're on a chandelier and you're going up the chandelier or you're on these different like metal graded platforms and this kind of slightly not industrial but like grittier area but still yeah it wasn't so diverse which i thought the enemy types were really diverse and stuff but the areas in which they were in um were were not and for as someone who wasn't the hugest fan of that the aesthetic to begin with I, you know yeah they, they definitely blended together for me yeah, and I feel like people that have played and enjoyed Blasphemous might not think that that's a fair criticism, but just, you know, I, I think it, it really more so comes down to the music to me, where it's just like, the music was such a, like, I mean, when you go from Brinstar to Norfair, like, you, you are in yep. distinctly different places, right? Yeah. And like, this music just kind of blended together for me, so that was something that I noticed. Okay, I feel like we have been kind of <laughs> uh, taking Blasphemous to task here for like, the last 30 minutes or so so let's let's kind of talk about some of the things that we we did enjoy or that we had a lot of fun with and you know i guess i will just say like say in general like all of this stuff that that i mentioned beforehand um it's stuff that holds it back but it doesn't ruin the game i think that the game is really fun and i think that playing the game is really fun movement is fun combat is fun um, it, it's very like the actual gameplay when you are moving and you are progressing is very fun and it feels like a really top-notch game to me um, I think that uh, that the combat in particular you were talking about how you kind of uh, you know ran past enemies 
I was like, I was right in there. I was having a blast, even getting killed by a lot of enemies, because I thought that the combat was like really fun. It's simple, but like there's something very satisfyingly crunchy about like killing an enemy and stuff like that, and like learning its patterns. And uh, you have these Mortal Kombat style like finish him kind of moves, which I really loved. Uh, which actually the patch added in a ton of different finishing moves, mm -hmm. so that's pretty cool. Yep. But it, like. The actual combat of this game, I, I thought that it was really, really strong. Yeah, I, I thought it was so much more fun than Axiom Verge, I gotta be honest. Like, I, I was having a blast playing this game, dashing around, avoiding enemies, parrying, you know, blasting, slashing and stuff, like getting your st enemies stacked on you, you run away from them, you go back, you're baiting them, you're looking for the parries, you're j just going in and, and you know, I'm mashing. I, I thought this game was so much fun. You know, I, I'm a sucker for anything that allows you to move a little bit and be creative with your movement. And I love, you know, getting to combo a little bit and, and trying to, you know, really push the limits of what you can do in a situation. So I thought this game was great. Like you can go at it tactically. You can just, you know, make it like a bullet hell and you're trying to dodge all this stuff and, and get in on an enemy or just run away a little bit as there's so many projectiles coming after you. Um, the enemy types, I, so many, I mean, just like right out of the gate, like the game really hits you with a bunch of different enemy types, like almost immediately. Uh, you know, you got enemies that are floating around shooting, you know, orbs at you. You got ones that are charging or throwing rocks or or uh, hitting you with, a you know, a long range like candlestick or a sword. You got ones with big shields that like are super hard to take out. You've got ones that are like floating and like stabbing down at you. Like the, the enemy diversity in this game is awesome. That really challenges you to come up with different ways to approach an area or approach a different enemy. And then when you have different enemy types all attacking you at once and you have to respect and, and counter their different patterns while you're doing what you're doing, I thought was great. And then if you find yourself in a bad situation, you let one of those, you know, prayers loose or something like that, or you really just like, all right, I'm kicking into Super Saiyan, I'm going in with something. I thought the gameplay loop in this was so good. It was immediately like sticky, right? It was immediately like, mm, this is good, this is great. And yeah, it's very satisfying. Like, you know, you're slashing enemy and the screen shakes and it flashes and there's different effects on each attack. You got the parry, which looks awesome. And then, right, you have the execution moves, which at some points I wouldn't even do because I'm like, all right, this guy's like a basic enemy. I'm not going to like <laughs> gore him out for five seconds for no reason. But, oh, but, buddy, I did it every, I didn't do it every time, time without fail. But when I would do it, I was like, ooh, this is badass. This is awesome. <laughs> and, and as many of you know, I hate Other M, but one of the things that it did, the only thing I think it did well, were those cool finishing moves you could do on enemies. I love finishing moves in any game, so I love that they added them to this. It does go back to my thing of i don't know what it is with indie game developers where they got to make everything like so grotesque and gory you know there are some points where i'm like all right like geez like their intestines are coming out I'm like oh this is really bloody and that's just me um it, it, it almost feels a little indulgent in a way to like how aggressively like grotesque and gory and violent it can be but um i still thought it was really awesome <laughs> it was really sick i had so much fun with this game um yeah, I wanted I wanted more of it in terms of like that. I was like, damn, I just want more games like this. Like, I love the the hack and slash elements where I could still explore and and collect items. But the combat was so good, so well done. And I think the combat and the gameplay in general, like any kind of parts of the game, I didn't like. Just the the gameplay, the combat overshadowed it completely, which is why I really enjoyed this game. I think I, more I than Axiom Verge. Yeah. Uh, it was just anything I could think of in this game that I didn't maybe enjoy the most or it was like, oh, it was okay or serviceable or, was, you know, whatever it was. The, the combat and the actual, like, meat uh, and, and potatoes of the game were just so well done. I have to re recommend it almost anybody if you just love, uh, you know, 
fighting stuff because you feel like a badass with this guy. Yeah, I I agree. I think that the the combat um, and just like the movement really like like it overshadows all of the negative stuff that yeah, we talked 100%. about. So like if if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh man, these guys have been dumping on blasphemous, like it is definitely worth playing. This overshadows that. It makes up for it. If the other stuff was better, it would be like a like a nine nine point five out of ten game. But you know, as it is, it's still really fun. I do actually like that uh like again i'm gonna use the word crunchy it just gave me this like gross satisfaction of just like chopping people's heads off i'm just a sick bastard i guess or whatever but i you know one thing that i i didn't like at the time but i appreciate now is that uh the penitent one is really heavy in this game and like usually when you're playing a metroidvania like in castlevania or in axiom verge like you jump and you almost it almost feels like you're floating a little bit or even super metroid like, you, you have a really long jump, and you can stay in the air for a long time. Not so much in this game. It's very different. Like, you are, you're very heavy, and that's because you are, I mean, you're literally, like, this dude in this big set of armor. So, you have to kind of be, you have to change your play style a little bit more to the grounded physics of the world, which I, I really grew to appreciate, because it set it apart from all of these other really floaty Metroidvania games, which I, you know, I really liked. Um, let's talk about the, I know that you were a big fan of the, of the skill tree here, Dak. Uh, I'll let you kind of talk about these, some of the upgrades and stuff that you were like, you were getting into. Well, I just thought it was a really good system. I think like being able to approach how you want to modify your character in a game and to have it suit your play style or experiment with how you want to do things is really cool. And something I really want Metroid to implement, like having the ability to, upgrade your character personally and then also upgrade like the the power-ups you get and to different ways to make them interact with the environment differently i think it's such a good idea and this i think this game nearly got it you know you can get uh, you know rosary beads which will you know upgrade um you know like your attack power or your attack speed or you know it's it, a lot of it is pretty standard like rpg kind of stuff like you'll 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 get like your all right your character super low hp their attack goes up stuff like that it's very familiar territory um i just more in, in general like that they implemented it at all and and being able to customize things i think my biggest takeaway from the game though is that i wish there were more like power ups and, and ways to upgrade your character beyond like the general kind of stat buffs like i was hoping like okay maybe i'll get an air dash eventually or i'll get an air parry or i'll get a double jump or i'll get a float jump or i'll get a grapple or i'll get a new weapon or something like that or a new set of armor and i and you never do you use the same weapon the whole game you don't really you know you get your dash it, it, you know you immediately have your dash and it doesn't really change um and that that, that was one thing that i was like ah oh, they just if they took like an extra step and implemented those things or like they, you know, you mash this game with Axiom Verge and all of its different weapons and stuff. This game would be perfect. Like I was really hoping that you'd be able to get a lot more, um, you know, variety in terms of like the weapons you could use or the upgrades or like power-ups you could get. And there really aren't any. I like that you can upgrade your character and upgrade, you know, and have like different prayers equipped or whatever it is and choose your loadout in a way. That I think is a good idea. I just wish they went the extra step and made it, you know, a little less in the familiar territory. Because a lot of the stuff you see in this game is stuff you see in in many games before. Um, Nothing too like you know, crazy or, you know, super inventive or anything, but I like that the systems are there. 
and it makes the gameplay feel a little more deep even though like some some upgrades like you don't really feel the effects of a lot of the time you're kind of just like oh, i wonder if it's really working or if you've been worth it but i will say i like the implementation just wish they went a little farther i like the idea i like that i'm able to upgrade my guy maybe make him a little more of a glass cannon focus entirely on like attack stats something like that maybe make him a little more tanky uh, I thought that was great, you know, being able to have your prayer load out and whatnot. And it adds to, like, the collectability of the game. You're collecting all these different things, so you're like, oh, this is great, add this to my arsenal. Oh, this is great, I'll swap it out with what I'm running with right now. So, I thought it was great. I would love to see this kind of stuff in Metroid. Just, again, I wish we got, you know, different... I, I wanted an air dash. I wanted an air parry. I wanted a double jump. I was disappointed that we didn't get that kind of stuff. Especially when you're running into, so, you know, more diverse enemies, and it felt like, ooh... You know, this would be a great opportunity to have, like, a grapple now or an air parry, and I never really got that. But, I overall, I love that the system, you know, the game included those systems, and I would love to see it in Metroid. You know, I'm glad that you brought that up, actually, because when, when I read, I was creeping Discord a little bit, and you were talking about how much you liked the, um, the skill tree. I was just like, you know, it, the, I'm kind of neutral on the skill tree, because I like the idea of it. But I feel like I didn't use almost any of it. Like, you right. you can upgrade and get, like, an extra attack, or you can get, like, kind of a, a down thrust attack or something like that, which is fine. But, like, I didn't use it. And I, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, man, Ori in the Blind Forest had a skill tree that was really useful. You could get triple jumps. Mm -hmm. You could get different attacks. Exactly. You, it, like, lots of stuff that was really useful. So, again, it wasn't, like, this wasn't... Um, detrimental but i it also didn't enhance anything to me it was just kind of there and i was like i was upgrading my skill tree to complete it not because yeah. i was using it or because it was making things easier for me um so that's kind of cool uh, you know i again going back to all the prayers and the rosaries and stuff like that i do like that you can use them and that they augment your uh, your stats and abilities I did feel like there was a lot of filler yes. in there. Like there were some that I that I got and I never used them once because like they're useless. Like they, you don't need them for anything. And then yeah, there are some that like you you always have to have. Like you almost can't play the game without them. But there weren't enough slots for them. So like it was kind of annoying to to have to pause and be like, "Okay, well like I only have four slots, but I know that I always need equipped the the rosary that protects me from poisonous gas or that protects me if i fall or that allows me to jump in water whatever right so like you there's a couple different ones that like really should just be permanent abilities rather than like equippedable rosaries so that one i was just kind of like okay like this this is fine i guess um so it wasn't I wasn't as kind of in love with that as you were, I don't think. It definitely, like I said, it definitely needed work, right? And it, I liked the idea of it, and it did feel at times, like I said, that I wasn't even sure if, like, some of the stuff I was adding was even really doing anything. It felt almost a little too subtle. But there were some upgrades right. I thought were worthwhile, or, yeah, I would agree to the point of, like, this should just be a passive, right? Um, maybe if there was, like, a little, like, like, wheel or something you could pull up on the fly to, like, swap things out, like, in the heat of battle... That'd be really cool. Because, again, I, I, I yeah, always I hate agree. having to, like, pull up the menu, stop what I'm doing, do, you know, toy around with that, and then jump back in. Oh, all right, like, and I'm back in the game. I would love, like, to be the ability to swap things out on the fly. Uh, yeah, but it definitely felt like there was some filler, a little thing is a little too subtle. I wish they kind of went, you know, give us crazier upgrades, give us more, like, obvious upgrades and buffs and, like, stuff like that. Because, yeah, there was some stuff you didn't even really need to get. Um, or stuff you had like, like even game. switching out particularly in this game where it's like 
they're again like the all the upgrades kind of look alike and you yep. have to scroll for forever to see what anything is yep. so it's like and they all have these like nonsense names so mm-hmm. yeah a wheel would have been good or just like passive abilities would have been really good yep um let's talk about something that was i think consistently excellent in this game and that was the boss battles uh they, i think that they're these were like really really fun to me they were really difficult but i didn't like i never felt like they were unfairly difficult you know what i mean mm. i was just like whenever i lost i was like i was like oh god damn like i i knew what i had to do i knew the attack pattern i just didn't execute and i feel like those are the kind of boss battles that i really like um i think that the the only kind of exception that i would say that i had was um the Cristanta boss battle or whatever her name is my game was like really laggy in that boss battle and you've got to be almost like pixel perfect in that one but i mean aside from that there are some like really fun battles in here um one in particular that i thought was really great was uh i don't even know how you say this uh course choirs something like that he's just kind of like castlevania looking enemy he shoots fireballs at you it was really really fun really challenging i must have died like 30 times but like it wasn't frustrating dying and when i finally beat him i was just like i was like yes like throwing a party so yeah i i think that the boss battles in this game were like consistently excellent i think that this is probably the best part about blasphemous to me yeah i think they were uh pretty good for the most part you know a lot of the bosses kind of boiled down to like all right i'm gonna see what 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 works i die and i by then i know the pattern i'm like all right now i know what to do um i let my favorite boss battles were the ones where you like Crisanto was one of my favorites i love the ones where you're just taking out another knight your size and you're just fighting them like on a bridge or something i thought those are those are my favorite boss battles i love that um, the ones where like you're fighting a big monster were cool, but you know those kind of boil down to like, all right, I'm smaller than this thing. I'm just gonna mash at it really close. Wait till it you know does its like its tell, right? Like, oh, it's 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 lifting up its leg. Right. I wonder what it's gonna do next. Oh, it's rearing back one arm. I wonder if it's gonna slash at me. Um, I really liked when you're fighting like a knight that's just like like in the Crisanta fight. She's just like will stand at one part of the bridge, just like flash over to you and like with this crazy sword and. I'm like, oh, this is this is great, and I felt more like personal too. I love those. Um, there were a couple boss battles in the game that you're fighting. Like, I think the last boss. Oh, I'm not gonna spoil. Well, I guess it's a whole spoiler episode, but like the last boss battle where it's like you're fighting like a stationary thing and it's like sending stuff out at you. Those are kind of like my my least favorite bosses. Um, but I think for the most part, yeah, there weren't there weren't like any like really bad ones or ones that were too easy. Um, but yeah, a lot of them, they did boil down to like figuring out the pattern off of your first try where you kind of just like download whatever they're doing and then Im- implement it in your second or third try. The ones where you're fighting someone of your own stature and like they're busting out some crazy sword moves or whatever it is. I love those the most, but yeah, this game really does excel with some really cool boss battles and they, you know, they, they're animated really well and smoothly, um, which is a really strong point in this game, how well it, uh, animated it is. So, yeah, the boss battles are really good. It doesn't really have that, like, Metroid syndrome where, like, there are some good boss battles, but some of them are, like, really not good or, like, eh, pretty passable. I think for the most part, the boss battles of this game are really solid. I I wouldn't say that they're the best part of the game for me. I still think, like, you know, just going through an area and just busting ass with with what you got and just dodging and jumping around and stuff and and making the most of your your abilities was my favorite part of the game. But, yeah, I thought the boss battles were, were pretty solid overall. Okay, well, you, you kind of mentioned it there, but let's talk about it a little bit more in depth. 
I think that the the animation and the just like the pixel work and the graphics, I guess, for lack of a better term, in this game looked really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was kind of complaining about the areas earlier blending together a little bit, and I, I still stand by that. But I, I do feel like the world looks really nice. I think that the design of the Pentinent one in particular is really cool. Like you have that tall, kind of goofy looking helmet, but it does it kind of looks badass at the same time. Um, you know, promotional images for this game I think look really cool. Like. And even those are like kind of pixely. I was uh, I was a big fan of the game's kind of artwork and aesthetic, and I was curious to see if you would be too, because I wasn't sure if you were like the biggest fan of, of pixel work or not. So, yeah. Dak, what, like, what do you think? My my, uh, I'm not someone who grew up with like a Super Nintendo or NES or any of those kinds of things, right? Like, my first console was an N64, um, and I had like a Game Boy Advance, so I was, you know, I, it's not like I don't like pixel stuff or anything like that. But when I was playing this game, I was like, damn, if this game was, like, 2.5D or 3D, it would be so much better. Um, really? Yeah, oh, 100%. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't agree 100%. at all. I think the pixel work looks really good. I mean, it's gorgeous pixel art. And the animations, I mean, are, are uh, like, almost, like, crazy smooth for a, for a, a pixel 2D game. I mean, some of the enemies and, and the background areas are so well animated. I will say though, like the the cutscenes are like the artwork for the cuts, like the couple, the few cutscenes or whatever in the game, or however many there are in the game. Um, the artwork is kind of cool. The animation is kind of eh, <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I don't know if these cutscenes are hitting for me. But um, in game, the it just is so well animated, and and I was running on PC. I didn't have any frame drops or anything. It looks so smooth. Um, even just coming down to like your attack animations, the, the executions, everything looks good. But yeah, part of me wishing, I was like, ah, if this was like, it looks good as pixel art and it looks great. I think it looks really fantastic and I enjoyed it. I didn't dislike it or anything. But if it was a 3D game, I'm like, wow, I think this would look so much better. Um, <laughs> I think it would be way, you know, I think it would have really uh, stuck with me more. Um, but I like, I like it for what it is. It's, I think it really just comes down to personal preference. Uh, I think it looks really amazing. It's so well animated. It's, and, and again, I'm not someone who likes the aesthetic, so maybe that's part of it too. Uh, but or like isn't enough not that I don't like it, but just not a, a huge super fan. But um, I think it looks really good. It's one of the best pixel games I've really looked at. I mean, the, some of the scenery in the backgrounds like looks really awesome. I you know you're getting these these long like landscapes and vistas that like will scroll with you, and you get to see different like corners and and canyons in the back. Like I thought that was really awesome. Uh, the lighting is really great, and and I do think like for the most part everything kind of you know stands out on the screen you know I, I never really had like legibility issues in terms of like fighting a bunch of enemies or anything like that um but again one of those things where i was like oh if this is like a 2.5d game or a 3d game like the in, in terms of the animation i think it would have been just a little bit better for me but again personal preference okay uh fair enough i i really i thought it gave it a little bit of character which, like I was thinking, is something that this game desperately needed was like a, something to make it stand out because like a lot of mm. it, like I said, was was blending together a little bit for me. Um, let's kind of let's kind of wrap Wait, things before up you, here. Before you before you go on, our... I'm sorry, but uh, that's actually interesting. You you brought that up because it being pixely to me didn't. Uh, I, the animations of the pixel work I felt like gave it character, but when I look at a pixel like. 2d game like oh this is an indie game like i've i played a bunch of these games you know it almost kind of doesn't give a character to me because i've seen it so many times like now like in 2020 the the retro pixel art has been done so many times 
for that nostalgia value that to me like it, it kind of is like reminds me that i'm playing an indie game it reminds me that i've played a game like this aesthetically before um so it was interesting that you you say that it, it gives a character because i kind of it almost like made it feel like it's like i've seen this kind of game before just because it's been done so so many times i almost wish it was a little more stylized and maybe it had like it wasn't pixely maybe like hand drawn or something like that i don't know um but again i don't want that to say like i didn't like the game how it looked i think it still looks absolutely gorgeous and it's so well animated so uh if you if you're not even a huge pixel art fan like i am and, and i like pixel art but uh if it doesn't hold like a super like strong spot in your heart or anything i still think you'll enjoy this game a ton like i did and if you do like this kind of artwork you'll be absolutely in love with it so yeah that's fair uh, it, it's funny because like i'm listening like when you describe your feelings on pixel like 2D games, I'm just like that's kind of like almost how I feel about 2.5 games. Where I'm like, eh, you know, that kind of seen this before. Those remind me that like it's just not a 3D game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, so okay, it, yeah. it yeah, it's funny. I mean, it, it boils down to like what you like, right? So um, and I think either way, like you said, like the pixel work does look really it's, good for it's, what it's it is. It's astoundingly good. I really, it's one of the best pixel art games I think I've seen in a while. Um, so take us away final thoughts on blasphemous before we get out of here deck sure uh i thought this game was great um i would i think i'll even try to go and maybe i won't do the 100 percent completion but i would like to try and give it another run maybe on twitch or something like that i thought it was really fun i thought it was uh the combat is so great it looks really well uh, really well done the animation's awesome uh it does take itself a little too seriously but you know it is what it is I still think it gives you a really solid experience. It's, you know, not an expensive game. If you can get it on sale, great. If not, it was uh, 25 bucks on Steam, which I think is... I, I, I paid $20 for Fall Guys. I'm getting sick of that game. So I, I think this, you know, it's, it's really cool. I wish there was maybe, like, a boss rush mode or, like, maybe something else to give it a little more replay value. But really solid game. Highly recommend it. You should really check it out. I do think it has more Castlevania and Dark Souls influence than it does Metroid. I feel like Axiom Verge was certainly more on the Metroid side of the Metroidvania thing. We have a little more Vania on the on this uh, in this case. That being said, phenomenal game. Highly recommend it. You should definitely pick it up. I recommend playing it on 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 Steam because you can't really go wrong with that. But you know, if you can play it on console, I'm sure playing on the Switch would be really cool too. Really great game. I think it's awesome. I am a big fan of it, and I thought it was better than Axiom Verge, but if you mash the two games together, you'd have a perfect one. Recommend for me. Really enjoyed this. Great game. Yeah, uh, so just to add kind of to what you said there, um, it actually, so Blasphemous, this big patch that we've been mentioning throughout the show here, it took place on August 4th, so it did add oh, new areas, yeah. it added new enemies, it added uh, a new game plus, so, like, there are definitely reasons to go back and replay this. I feel like I'm probably going to give this another go yeah. at some point just because, like, all the new stuff that they they added in, like, really seems like it's going to improve the overall experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I'm, you know, I'm excited for that. I, I wish that I had waited to play the patched version because, like I said, uh, I really liked Blasphemous. It's a good game. I feel like it should have been... A great game because when you're when you're playing it and you're moving in the world and you're fighting you're my thought is like this is a great game but when i have to pause and like look at the map or look at the upgrades or look at the million collectibles yeah. or like want to go back and, and finish the game i'm just like 
this is bad. Like, it's not even mediocre. It's bad. And those kind of pull down this what should be what plays like a great game, and it makes it only a good game to me. So, you know, I think that, like I said, a lot of the issues that I had were probably patched out. So, you know, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt and uh, go back and give it another spin. This new game plus is supposed to be even harder and more difficult than the original game. I'll have to try it. So there, yeah, there we go. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would definitely recommend it to Metroid fans. It's certainly more of a, the Vania than Metroid, but that's okay. Um, I think that, uh, you know, not every game needs to be sci-fi-esque. We got to have some variety in there. So yeah, I had a, I had a fun time with Blasphemous. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun and I would definitely recommend it uh, to anybody looking to kind of scratch your, your Metroidvania itch while we wait for, for a new Metroid title. Yeah, which uh, maybe we'll we'll get some news on the seventeenth, uh, if that even happens. I guess I got lucky play replaying it over this past weekend because I didn't even know there was a patch. I just, you know, like I said, I played the demo <laughs> way back when that I played. I was like, oh, this is great, you know. So like some of the issues you came like didn't even occur to me because they probably didn't even exist anymore. Um, yeah, I, I wanna I'm gonna try. I think you know replaying it again soon, probably on Twitch. Go for the new game plus, um, or just running it again at, at the base and trying to go for a hundred percent or whatever it is. Yeah, definitely more Vania. Really great game. Um, I think I think you would say though that you enjoyed Axiom Verge more, but I would I. Th- oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I I like Axiom Verge. Don't get me wrong, but this this just hit a different spot, man. And I think it's that dash. I think <laughs> once you give me a dash, I'm like, ooh yeah, let's go. I just wish I had like an air dash, something like that. You know, Blasphemous two or whatever it is. Uh, expanding on those things that I think are just nearly there would be absolutely superb. And if there was, like, a sci-fi version of this game and mixed in a little of the Axiom Verge stuff, would be perfect. But, yeah, great game. Loved it. And I'm glad that we picked this as the, the second game of our Inspired by Metroid. Even if it was a little less inspired by Metroid than the previous game, it still inspired me to play a great game. And I hope it inspires all of you to check it out. Well, I think that the third game that we picked for Inspired by Metroid is <laughs> completely bonkers. And people are going to flip out when... We announce what that game is, and just to be clear, it's a bug snack. Inspired by Metroid, and inspired by Metroid is just about the Metroidvania formula of like progressing, upgrading, going back, progressing further, upgrading there, fighting wicked bosses, exploring the map, and having that kind of interconnected world where it's like a big puzzle box to figure out. So like, not every game has to be a sci-fi experience to be inspired by Metroid, as the next game that we're gonna cover is going to tell you. So. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be that one won't be coming for a while, but I'm already really, really pumped to uh, to play our third inspired by Metroid franchise or game because I don't think anybody is gonna see it coming. I I agree. I was I almost wanted to give a little like pun hint, but I almost feel like it would just give it away. You know, I'm not trying to get too batty over the game, so I think I'll just leave it at that. And and I'm excited to play that one as well because it's one of my favorites. One of my favorite games from. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how long it's been, but it's, it's. I haven't played it in a while. But when it came out, y- y'all, y'all will know this game. It's. I think many yeah. of y'all probably even played it already. Yep. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Let's not give anything away. Uh, we hope that you guys really dug this episode of the Omega Metroid podcast, and you know, check out Blasphemous. It's a great game. That's again. It's over on Steam. It's over on every console. So check it out. And make sure that you check us out over on iTunes and Podbean and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe to the show. 
Um, that's going to do it for us for today. We want you to check us out over on Twitter at Omega Metroid Pod. You can check me out over at Spateri316 and Dak out at the Rapture underscore. Make sure that you're back next week because hopefully, hopefully, we have some Metroid news. Finally. But let's not get our hopes up. That only leads to disappointment. Yeah, the life of a Metroid fan. Until next week, guys, we will see you then.